Hello and welcome to this episode of EMS Now and Informa on Tour 2022 in Europe. Uh, reporting to you today, or this evening actually, from Oberstdorf in the southern part of Germany in the Alpine region. Dita and I traveled here today and uh, we'll be kind of doing some laundry, recovering, getting caught up on work before we head to Electronica on Monday. Wanted to report on two EMS, both German-based EMS companies, with some commonalities that we wanted to tell you about. Um, those are, we visited uh, Coronex EMS in Ratingen, Germany, and then we also visited with Fritsch Electronic in Aachen, Germany. Uh, let me get into this a little bit, explain a little bit about them, and then... Um, we can talk about some of the commonalities, and Dita can share some insights and some, some data as well. So Coronex EMS, the first one we visited, by the way, uh, where they are located in Rottingen, they also have a smaller prototype EMS by a different name, Hewa, H-E-W-A EMS, which is in the kind of the southeastern part of Germany, uh, and that was acquired, and that is a specialty proto shop that they have there. But the overall company, Coronex, is a 40-year-old company. It's family-owned. Uh, they're doing around 20 million in revenues, have about 114 employees, uh, 80 customers, definitely do low volume, high mix type work uh, with three SMT lines and uh, about 7,700 square meters of uh, manufacturing facility that we visited and toured. Um, Dita. Tell us a little bit uh, about Coronex. You know, you've known them longer than me. Uh, tell me your thoughts and comments about our visit and what we saw and what stood out. Okay. Well, number one, uh, Coronex, uh, medium-sized company, uh, three SMT lines, um, family-owned business, and uh, they were one of the companies which did, did see uh, uh, an effect of reshoring um, mm -hmm. And that was interesting, an interesting story. We're going to cover that uh, uh, in separately as well. But uh, just to, to explain it to you, um, even so, they were a little bit higher in, uh, in price uh, compared to Chinese competition. But they were able to supply their customer in lot sizes of a thousand, whereas the Chinese supplier said you need to order at least uh, uh, 10,000 and uh, uh, we're going to ship in 10,000. So there are certain advantages uh, uh, which not necessarily make it necessary to, to, uh, to beat the price. Um, of China if you have other advantages which you can offer. And that was definitely the case at Coronex. Uh, and uh, again, this prototype shop of Heva in uh, Bavaria uh, is a, a very uh, good example uh, of being able as well, uh, as we know, uh, that it is more going local for local. Mm -hmm. um, they, um, being at the Austrian border, they have access there uh, to uh, Austrian customers as well, which from the Düsseldorf facilities you would not be able. Right. Yeah? But there is another thing which we're going to tackle shortly when we get to the second visit, 
which is the fact that they are in a group. In actual, if we look at the European structure of uh, companies in regards to revenue size, um, I always mention it, there is 2,179 EMS legal entities uh, in Europe. Now, of this 2,179 uh, uh, legal entities, only 309, uh, 305 do revenues of more than 15 million. And Coronax uh, and the other company we visited today uh, both go in that group. Now, and if you look at uh, 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 how this group develops, we are talking about market consolidation as well, mm -hmm. uh, you see that from uh, 2013, this group of 305 EMS uh, companies uh, had uh, a revenue share in Europe of 79%. And today, in 2021, they have nearly 89%. So, uh, they are in this happy situation uh, that they can see a future of, for their mm -hmm. business. Yeah, no, exactly right. And I think, let's talk about some of what they do, the type of work they do. I think they're primary, the two biggest sectors for, for Coronex are telecom and the industrial sector. And then they do medical defense, auto and mining. Um, talk about the mining too, because they have a particular certification, the ATEC certification, that only one, they're one of 20 companies in Germany who have this certification. You Tell us about that. Do you yes, know? well, ATEX is a very special certification which you need if your um, um, electronic devices you manufacture um, need uh, to be safe not to develop any sparks. Mm -hmm. uh, for example, if you are working in a uh, area where um, there needs to be explosion-proof uh, equipment. Mm -hmm. And that you can have in the mining area, but as well in the chemical industry. Yeah. That is when ATEX becomes very important. In actual fact, you remember uh, on Thursday, we visited VDL-TBP Electronics in um, yes, the exactly. Netherlands, and they had this ATEX uh, certification as well. Yeah. But if you look overall, um, Stefan Hauf, the managing director of Coronex, mentioned mm -hmm. it. In Germany, it is just 20. Mm -hmm. And I would say in all of Europe, it is less than 40 companies who have this certification. Mm -hmm. And uh, this certification allows them not only to supply customers in Europe, they supply customers worldwide, going even yep. to, to the United <laughs> States. Exactly. No, and that's very good. Thank you for that explanation. Um, the other piece I would say before we move on is that both companies, and we asked the question, how much of, you, of the revenues that you're doing is related to just PCBA work and how much is actually kind of, you know, more box build for modules and model modules or maybe even full systems. And in this case, it was uh, um, just over 50-50 split. Uh, they're doing a significant amount of uh, box build type work. I think it's 40 some percent uh, in, in the case of Coronex. But that shows, again, that these companies, you, you get the toehold around PCBA and you grow the services. The closer you get with them, the stickier the relationships, you grow, relate, you grow the customer relationship and get more business. Exactly. And if we compare that to the uh, big companies in Europe, for sure, their share of full system build is higher. 
but uh, it uh, gives these medium-sized companies a clear signal where to go for. Uh, they need to go uh, for full system builds and they still have a lot of potential on there. Yeah. And I should say in closing that I forgot to mention this at the beginning, who we met with. We actually had Coronex met with Stefan Hauf, who is the general manager. He's actually the general manager for both Coronex and for Hewa, the uh, prototype shop uh, down south. We didn't say much about the prototype. Dita touched about it with the geographic where it was located and into Austria and the benefits that they derive from that. Um, but they definitely have uh, that capability down uh, down there, and that allows them access to a lot of customers who are developing, you know, business. Let's move on to our second one because I know, in the interest of time, we don't want to short uh, give them short shrift here. Um, Fritch Electronic. Fritch Electronic is, as Dita or I mentioned, uh, is in Aachen, Germany. Uh, we traveled there. The uh, we there we met with two gentlemen. Uh, Dr. Joost Baumgartner and uh, Mr. Matthias Sester. As it turns out, both of these companies are, um, both of these gentlemen also happen to be the owners of the company, and I'll tell you a little bit about that. Um, the history of the company for Fritsch Electronic is actually the company began in 1969. Again, a family-owned company. Uh, it was the Fritsch family who founded that. Then in 2019, you know, so what is that, 50 years later or whatever that is, um, it was uh, uh, acquired by two private owners, the gentleman we met with. One of them, Mr. Uh, Sester, had already been working within Fritsch, and uh, the other gentleman, Dr. Baumgartner, uh, was from the outside. He was a consultant who had been working with the company. Um, Again, size-wise, around 20 million uh, euros, about 120 employees. It's interesting in this case is that uh, the location is close to the French border, so they also are able to pull labor out of France. Um, they run four SMT lines and around 50 customers. Uh, Dita, um, tell us a little bit about Fritsch and your kind of thoughts and comments and impressions of it. Well, first of all, uh, Fritsch Electronic has four SMT lines. Uh, they, uh, similar to medium, all medium-sized companies, uh, uh, do face this problem of uh, uh, shortage of semiconductors. They have uh, uh, a strong buildup of inventory, uh, as we see it with all these medium-sized mm -hmm. companies. Um, uh, even the big ones we have seen, we saw an overflow of uh, their storage uh, buildings. Yeah. And uh, in my opinion, that is going to be the biggest headache uh, going forward uh, into 2023. Uh, so uh, looking at Fritsch, I uh, happen to know them uh, very long and uh, their burden, uh, to say so, is uh, uh, that they are prognosing a labor cost increase in 2023 of 7 to 8%, and uh, uh, on the energy side, we're going to tackle the issue separately, but they have a clear vision 
that they want to uh, reduce that uh, dependency by putting up uh, solar panels on their roofs, mm -hmm. which, by the way, we uh, heard at Coronex as well. And uh, Stefan Hauf mentioned that uh, the only limiting factor on that is that the availability of solar panels at the moment is zero. Yeah? So uh, Fritsch is, is looking into that uh, as well. Uh, they have a very uh, interesting uh, strategy and they, uh, when they, the two owners took over, they totally changed uh, the strategy and made them more focused. By the way, their timing, if you think 2019 when they acquired the company was 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 kind of un unfortunate in that the COVID hit the very next so, year. To say so, tough luck. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was very yeah. tough. So, yeah. Yeah. And but they, that was that's what they had to manage through. Oh yes, and uh, uh, I am closely following this company. I have been invited in the past to their customer uh, uh, days and giving presentations there, um, and they are very very strongly focusing. Uh, on their business to to make changes in the strategy mm -hmm. to reduce dependencies on certain customers uh, they got out of automotive in total yeah uh, which um, in their size of revenue it makes no sense to have any dependency on the automotive industry yeah the big ones yes i uh, they need it but uh, medium and small uh, companies, they don't need it. And again, uh, they belong to this group of 305 uh, uh, customers in Europe, which do have a, um, a potential of uh, being among the winners in, in Europe. Yeah, no, and that's a good point. Thank you for that. I should say, as far as the sectors that they cover, um, it is primarily industrial, then they also do medical, uh, they also do what they call measuring control and regulation, and also there's something housing and security. So, and we saw multiple examples oh, of yes, that. Yes, we, we saw uh, some uh, interesting uh, examples. Uh, I uh, noticed as well on the security and uh, housing mm -hmm. uh, systems, which were we're not going into details because that yeah. might expose customers. Uh, but uh, it was very very interesting, and uh, for sure. Uh, they are putting their efforts into um, uh, increasing vertical integration mm -hmm. uh, of uh, the products they, they do. Yeah. Uh, they for sure have this problem as well in regards to inventory yeah. I mentioned before. Um, and they uh, have, do have difficulties to, to handle it all. Yeah, yeah I will say... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. You're going to no. Add you you wanted to mention that thing about the yeah. The, yeah so the, it was very unique in in that uh, at one of the stations, I should say, one of the works benches stations, they're actually for a client. They're buying the available these available tests. So that this particular OEM needs a particular chip. Yes. It's not. They're not getting it. But what they did is they found a product. I, I believe it was a test board of sorts yeah. that, that actually contains had it on it, that contains board. that. So they're actually buying those boards, which are available with that yeah. chip on it, and they are at uh, Fritsch then is removing that chip that's needed for their client so <laughs> yeah. that they can build, right? I mean, exactly. it's a very unique yeah. approach. Uh, see, uh, 
uh, every customer we visited uh, uh, talked with us about their problems with getting the quantities of chips they need. Yeah. yeah? Uh, so no doubt about it. And you know that I, uh, I'm uh, having this issue that I don't ca call this a crisis. But that's a different discussion we're going to uh, tackle uh, probably tomorrow. Yeah, uh, after a few beers, maybe, we'll oh, talk about yes, that detail. Yes. But go ahead. Yeah. But uh, uh, the point is... There are various ways uh, to tackle the, the problems. We have heard yesterday from one of the companies that uh, they convince their uh, customers to change to uh, more uh, available chips, yeah? mm -hmm. to change from uh, legacy and uh, uh, mature uh, chip technologies into advanced chip technologies. And by doing so, uh, they can still deliver product and increase their revenues. At uh, Fritsch Electronics, that was very, very unique. We never heard that before. That was uh, in actual fact, and I don't know who got to that, uh, uh, that information. Uh, it was a brilliant idea uh, to... Uh, uh, make sure that at the end of the day they were able uh, to uh, to supply their customer with with boards. Yeah. So I'd like to move off of both companies and talk more about um, some commonalities because, as you're pointing out, that they they are they are part of a group of EMS companies, 305 EMS companies who have revenue in excess of 15 million euros. Both companies clearly in that range. And, uh, and so as such, I think it's fair to talk about some of the, the things that they have in common uh, that yeah. we notice. And some yes. of that, for example, I mean, obviously they're equal size, which is the point. Uh, they're both, because of that, especially you know, on the size-wise, they're doing the lower volume but the high to medium uh, mix-type work. Um, they see very focused on certain sectors at this point. Um, you know, as and as UK has indicated, like Fritch had been doing some auto, now has kind of moved out of that. Um, they're both privately held. That's I don't know. Obviously, as you get to the larger companies, you, you lose that. But at, at the lower end of the of these this group of three hundred and five that you mentioned, there is certainly um, uh, more of those t private type companies. Um, and they're in a position to also be considering expansion, which is definitely an issue that we talked about with both. Um, but those are some general commonalities. What are your thoughts, Dito? Uh, yes, the M&A uh, subject is uh, a subject uh, which we have been discussing with them uh, uh, over the last uh, 24 months. Uh, in addition to that... Um, as we we see more and more local for local uh, business, yes. and uh, uh, you mentioned it before that, for example, Coronax uh, sees a lot of their uh, uh, customers very close by. Yeah, within yeah? two hundred kilometers. And, yeah. yeah, and and Fritsch uh, is uh, uh, in a certain extent not hundred percent the same, but uh, to a certain extent the same, and. Uh, Nowadays, especially if you're going into uh, uh, NPI uh, and uh, yeah. those things, um, the customers 
want their suppliers close by. They want to just uh, uh, jump in the car and drive maximum two hours to get to, to their, what I call, extended workbench. Yeah. Yeah, to get to their uh, extended workbench and discuss issues with them to, to further improve the product. Okay. Can I quote you on that? We'll coin a phrase here, extended workbench detail. Was that you or yeah. did you read that somewhere? I'm just kidding. Listen, the other thing, though, that is, is of noteworthy, and you just stimulate that, is the service level. If we look at that, both of them have some partnerships for the upfront design type stuff. Yes. Where it's not necessarily in-house, but they, they certainly have it available. It is a service they can bring, but they don't bring it directly through their own employees. They bring it through partnerships that they have with some uh, some kind of vetted uh design companies um, yes uh, and even so um, and I would call that a nearly a general trend yeah uh, I get uh, um, uh, this information from several companies that they would love to have more experienced engineers in their engineering department rather than uh, having to to go to an external uh, mm -hmm. engineering office mm -hmm. uh, but it's limited availability. There is, uh, um, we still have a labor problem as well, right. which we uh, uh, need to talk about. And uh, and, and I think we're going to cover some of that with the general trends, yes. because the, the rising energy costs, obviously, we're, we're in Germany, where unlike Sweden, right, most of this is is, is more traditional uh, sources down here, right? Yes. Oh. And uh, so as, as a result, the costs are certainly having an impact on the business. The HR issues are certainly continuing um, and having an I think there's only one EMS that we talked to who said that HR, uh, HR staffing wasn't a big challenge for him currently. But uh, um, anyway, um, let's, well, let's wrap this up because I don't want to go over and, you know, lose people's interest here. Let me uh, say three things real quickly. We have now traveled more than 4,000 kilometers, Dita Weiss and I have, and we're still not done. Um, we are now traveling to two, on Monday we were going to visit two more EMS companies on our way up to Munich uh, to visit, uh, we're going to visit with Bavarian Digital Technique, is that right? Bavaria Digitaltechnik. That's exactly what I said, um, and or meant to say. And we're also going to be visiting with a Katek facility. Uh, then we will be at Electronica for Tuesday and Wednesday. Thursday, I pack up and I head home for Thanksgiving. Dita continues his work and actually uh, will remain in Europe. Um, so that's what's happening there. The... Um, before I go, I do want to uh, acknowledge and thank our sponsors for the EMS Now Tour uh, this year. That is CalcuQuote, a software solutions partner for the electronics industry. Kojascan, the factory digitalization partners for electronics manufacturers globally. And Micronic, a global supplier of high-flexibility production equipment. We thank them for their support uh, and allowing us to go around, tour these 15 EMS, and report them out to you. Um, keep following us. We have uh, several more podcasts still to go. We will do a summary report about our uh, tour and various trends. Dita, as I've mentioned on a previous podcast, has committed to providing me his most current 
market data on each of the countries we visited and also for the overall EMS industry here in Europe. So um, as you all know, I'm a big fan of Dita's work. I think it's it's the best in, in the industry. And uh, so I'll be look forward to sharing that with you all um, Within the next month, I do need to get home and kind of recharge and uh, get caught up, and then uh, we'll put that together. So, Dita, um, it's been fun. We have a few more days to go. Uh, thank you very much. For those of you out there, keep listening and reach out to us if you have any questions or want to say hello. Thank you very much.